We see God's grace so deeply marked out before us in this psalm. I was a brutish beast before you, standing before him in our sin and in our brokenness and in the fact that we're so prone to wander, and yet you will hold me by my hand and keep me with you to the end. It's the same grace that God shows to all who hold fast to him, and we'll look at that once again in Psalm 1 which you'll be able to find on page 617 of your pew Bible. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. So far, the word of God. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, not too many hours ago, many of you celebrated the entry into the new year at 12 o'clock with the words, Happy New Year. And maybe you were with friends or family. Maybe you hugged each other or you read the Bible and prayed as you brought in the new year or you celebrated in some other way. But for most, it was a happy time. You were able to look back on the Lord's blessings this past year, and for that, it was a reason for thankfulness. Yes, there were hardships, and there always are, but the Lord continues to provide. He gives health, gives strength, and he gives support through various people in our lives. And even in the hardships, We can see and we can be thankful for the fact that he was there and he is there in his providential care. Because we might not be through those hardships yet. We might not be, we we might still be in the middle of them. But we can know that the Lord is there in his providential care. As we know, Christ doesn't remove hardships from the Christian life, but he adds grace, and he is there for his people. If the Lord was at the center of your year this past year, and you look forward to the Lord being at the center of your year this coming year, then you truly can celebrate recognizing his care and recognizing the hope that you have in what's coming. You can truly celebrate saying, Happy New Year. Because it's that that is at the center of this psalm that we are looking at today. The word for blessed here in the Hebrew in Psalm 1 can also mean happy. Blessed or happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now to be clear, there is so much more to this than just the surface joy. There is so much more to it than just what you boys and girls might have experienced on Christmas Day when you were unwrapping all of your presents. This is 
a happiness that God himself gives, a kind of happiness that is unshakable because it has its roots outside of yourself. It's something that you can return to, that while we struggle, we are taken away from it for a time, but we can return to it as we seek it outside of ourselves in him. Today, we'll look at that under the following theme, Psalm 1, the foundation for a happy or a blessed new year. And we'll see, first of all, the introduction to life, and then the way of the godly, and then, last of all, the way of the ungodly. As we begin this psalm, we ought to look at and reflect on, for a little bit, the place of this psalm within the broader body of psalms. Now, you may think, what's the purpose of that? What's the reason for that? There's no narrative. There's no story. The Psalms of David are mixed in with the Psalms of Asaph and the Psalms of the sons of Korah. Is there any sense to looking at it within the broader context? And normally you might be right. Yes, there are some Psalms that follow one after another, and you can think of say later on in the book of Psalms, where you have the songs of ascents, and then they would be singing one psalm after another in progression as they were moving closer and closer and closer to the mountain of the Lord, to Mount Zion, to the temple there, to worship. And you can see a progression as it goes through those psalms. But is that the case for our psalm today? Is there a point to thinking about it within the context? When it comes to our psalm today, there's absolutely a point to it. Because our psalm today is what you might call an editor's introduction to the collection of the body of psalms. The psalms were meant as a full-bodied collection of life under God's rule. And the book of psalms has within it the full range of human emotion. It's got frustration Sadness, joy, excitement, depression, and more. And it has within it the full range of human experience as well. Poverty, wealth, oppression, victory, running from things, living under unrepentant sin, repenting from sin, and so much more besides. But the thrust of the whole book, all of that together is this, that no matter what happens, whether you are going through these various periods and struggling with these various emotions, no matter what happens, it is best to live under God. To live under God. So what does that look like? The best way that you can see that is to contrast the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked, right? To contrast the way of those who follow God and the ways of those who don't. And that's exactly what a psalm writer today does as he introduces this body of psalms. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man, verse 1. And then, but the ungodly are not so, verse 4. We are just about to explore life, emotion, and God. Who God is, what he has done, the psalmist is saying. 
And it's going to be up and down. There will be times in your life, and this is reflected in the Psalms, when you doubt the goodness of God. There will be times when you wonder if it is all worth it. Like we sang in Psalm 73, I almost stumbled. But, the psalmist says, I'm here to tell you straight from the start that it is worth it. That the greatest blessing comes from a life that is right with God. That the greatest blessing comes from one who finds his hope in the Lord. And this brings us to the second point. The way of the godly. So what do we see in the opening verses of the way of the godly? We see here that a man who is blessed is one who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seats of scoffers. We see here a picture of somebody who's getting closer and closer to sin. And you can almost picture what's going on here. It's like you can see him walking down a road, uh, say, an, an a road in ancient Jerusalem, stone, cobblestone on the sides and stone walls on either side, these, these narrow streets. And he's walking through these streets and he sees a group of people who are up to no good. This is a road that does him no good because he knows that the people or the things that tempt him are there. But he's there anyways. And instead of walking on by, whatever it is that they're up to attracts him. And so he walks there. And then he slows down and he stops and listens. And then it says, he sits in the seats of the scornful. So this is a picture of him sitting down and then joining in with the group. And this is a picture of the trouble that one gets into when they take their eyes off of God and begin to entertain sin. You see, it's, it's not just that one day you suddenly dive into sin. The Bible is teaching us a principle here. The Holy Spirit is, is teaching us that it's, it's not just that we dive into sin. It's when we take our eyes off of God and we start to make small compromises one at a time. We let little things slip because we think it's not a big deal. And then we make one more compromise and then another compromise. And then we are slowly pulled into sin. And there is no blessing in this, the psalmist writes. While it might seem when it comes to the first few compromises that things just look like fun and it's not a big deal and the pastor or my elder, my parents, everyone else should just lay off. God is teaching us that there is no blessing in this. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in these ways. Now this, this might not seem like a big deal to you right now. Some of you younger people may not have experienced the blessing of God over the long term. You've just looked back as far as this past year, and you haven't had the opportunity to chart the path of your life over the decades. And when you hear that there, there is no blessing in something, it doesn't necessarily mean much to you. But 
Let me challenge you on this today. Go to some of the older members of our congregation and ask them about this. Ask them about the blessing of the Lord over the course of their lives. Some of them may have had times when they walked away from God, when they did walk in the counsel of the ungodly and then stood in the path of sinners and then sat down in the seats of scoffers, when they joined in, when they could see the effects of a life in which God's hand of blessing was removed. And they can maybe tell you of the great contrast that is seen in moving from a life of no blessing to a life of blessing. Others have been, by God's grace, been able to walk with the Lord from their youth. And their delight, as you see in verse 2, was in the law of God, which is not just to say that the 613 ceremonial and moral laws of the Old Covenant. The word for law here is the Hebrew word Torah. So we're not just talking about list upon list of rules upon rules, but when it talks about the Torah, that's about the entire, the entire body of scriptures that the psalm writer would have been able to look back on. He's talking about the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So what you see here is him not just looking back on list upon list and rule upon rule, but he's looking back on also history. Why we ended up where we are. On why God calls us to do certain things. On God's blessing on his people and his guidance of his people, his love for his people through generation after generation, even as his people have this constant tendency to wander from him. It's the history. It's the love. And yes, it's also teaching us how to live the law of God. It's, but it's not just teaching us how to live, but why we live that way. And for this reason, it has been their delight the law of God has been their delight. They meditate on it day and night, verse 2b. And this doesn't mean that they, they read it all the time. It doesn't mean that for the Jews back in the days when this was written either. They had day jobs too. But the point here is that it's never far from their hearts. It's never far from their minds. And after spending Years and maybe decades growing in it and loving it, it's become part of their worldview so that even when they're not actively meditating on it, it informs and it shapes their lives and their actions every step of the way. If you struggle to see the, the, the benefit of this word, blessed, What's the point of blessing? How does that help? Then ask them about it. Speak to such people about the blessings of the Lord. And they will tell you the truth of what we see in verse 3. 
that he will be like a tree that is planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in season whose leaf does not wither. The picture that's given here is a beautiful one. It's, it's a man who is like a tree that's planted by streams of water. You have to remember that in the ancient world, it got really dry at times. There were regions of Israel that were very hot, and if a drought came along, or even the regular hot, dry weather, to have a consistent water source was a big deal. All of the trees could flourish when the going was good, when the rain was coming. But what happened when the drought came? These other trees, they withered up. But this tree that has its roots planted in streams of water, when the drought comes, such a tree is still able to bear fruit in season. It's still able to bear fruit in the midst of drought. And by God's grace for the believer, this is also true. They are still able to bear fruit in the midst of drought because of the blessing of the Lord. When things start going poorly, when the weather turns hot and dry, where will it turn? The one who turns to the Lord will always find support. From, for them and for many among us here today, by God's grace, they can profess that as they grounded themselves in his word in this way, and, and as you grounded yourselves in who God is, God has never let you down. There may have been times when you failed, but God has never failed in good times or in bad. God remains faithful. So knowing this, knowing this, why should we settle for less? And that's where the last part of this psalm comes in. The way of the ungodly. So what about the ungodly then? What about those who don't recognize God for who he is? Who don't believe in Jesus Christ? I'm looking around all of us here in Canada and they seem to be doing all right, don't they? Many people think that the foundation of a happy new year is health and wealth. And this is a materialistic mindset that drives much of our society today. And living in that society, all of us, we don't remain untouched by that kind of thinking either. It's true that health and wealth can bring a certain measure of earthly contentment. And that's why, while there are many people in our world today that are looking for answers, there are many others who are perfectly content to live life as it is laid out before them. As long as they're healthy and they've got a comfortable cushion of money in the bank, as long as they don't have to think about things that bring them stress, life just carries on. And in the day of Old Testament Israel, this was true as well. When this psalm was written, there were many people who were quite content just to live their lives. In another psalm, Psalm 73, the one that we sang before this sermon, Asaph writes, As for me, my feet almost stumbled. 
My steps nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death. Their strength is firm. They're not in trouble like other men. They're not plagued like other men. But for him, the reality check comes when he enters into the temple, when he lifts his eyes from this earth to God in heaven. And likewise, that same reality check happens for us today. You see, we can spend a lot of time wrestling with getting more achievements and more comforts on this earth, but as someone else once put it, the death rate is still one per person. This life is short and momentary. Remember that. This is especially something to remember in light of this, that God has promised to receive you and forgive you and love you if you repent and come to him in faith now. But he has not promised you to give you a tomorrow in which you can repent. But as for earthly success, this life is short and momentary, and then all we've collected for ourselves will pass on. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 1, For there is a man whose labor is with wisdom and with knowledge and with skill. Yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. This too is vanity and a great evil. And for this reason, the author of Psalm 1 writes, The ungodly are like chaff with which the wind drives away. If you boys and girls have ever seen a combine harvesting in the field, you, you probably did, going through backcountry Owen Sound. If you've ever seen a combine going through a field and you see all that extra stuff that's blowing away, that's chaff. The way of those who reject God will lead to disaster. This is the guarantee that God himself gives. The way of the wicked might prosper for a time, and it, become, it can become even a reason for believers to stumble. You can look at a wicked man, and he seems to be flourishing, and you can be brought to wonder, why? Why does that man seem to flourish? Why does that woman seem to prosper? Why do things seem to be going well for all of them when I have such a hard time of it? But while the ungodly may be successful for a time on this earth, and it may even lead to arrogance and pride, although it doesn't necessarily lead there, but it may even lead to arrogance and pride, to standing in judgment over those who are successful, that will all be over. After death, you will not stand in judgment, nor stand be gathered together with those whose lives were devoted to God instead of themselves, whose supreme joy was to serve their heavenly Father. Instead, you'll be like chaff. Chaff that when the wind kicks up, just blows away. The faster the New Year's days come, especially as we've come to the end of this decade, the more we become aware of the fact that life is so fleeting. Think about that. Where were you at the end of the last decade? 
How old will you be at the end of the next decade? At the end of the day, unless we have a hope that extends beyond this earth, we're not going to find that deep and lasting confidence. We're not going to find something that roots us. You can almost imagine it's like someone who's saving up for a retirement while another person is blowing their money in the short term. The other person might seem like they are entertaining themselves and having a lot of fun, but there's no long-term stability there. And they're setting themselves up for anguish when they get to an age in which they are too old to work. While the person who has saved up all their life long and has gotten used to living with a long-term mindset. They have a different standard of living and they are content living that way. They will enter into their retirement years with a lot more peace and stability. This, you might say, is a spiritual version of that. As a child of God, God gives you stability of his presence. God gives you a community to come alongside you in your hour of need. God gives you his word and God gives you himself. God gives you the hope of eternal future and God gives you the hope and the promise of his constant and watchful care. And that's where his name, the Lord, comes in. That name of promise. That name of covenant. Lord in all caps here. The God who is there for his people. That's the promise with the final line about the righteous in verse 6. Beloved, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows, he sees, and he loves and he acts. And at the end of days, he will take you home. Whoever relies on Jesus Christ, his son, he will take you home. Remember that as you come into this new year. When you see that others seem to be flourishing and when you're going through struggles and your foot might be tempted to slip, commit your way to the Lord again and he will lift you up. Lift your eyes up to heaven and then lower them down to his word, your open Bible in front of you. Delight in his promises. Remember the whole range of human emotion and the whole range of human experience that is contained here and the promise that the Lord will still be there and the Lord will bless whatever the situation is in. Remember the eternal view. And as you grow in that, he will grant you blessing. And bit by bit, as you walk with the Lord in the light of his word, he'll grow you, he'll grow in you a greater contentment and happiness than any of these other things could offer you. Amen.